Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning. Hey, you know, some people have asked, you know, in light of the Cowboy playoffs and this series, was that intentional? And I just want to say that, yes, if you're a Cowboys fan, we are grieving and yes, it was an embarrassing loss on national TV before 43.4 million people. And yes, it is difficult now. And, but what, we, what I can say is it is now a new tradition at LifePoint Church. When and if the Cowboys make the playoffs, we will, we will be doing and offering a series on grief. We figure after 29 years, we just need to match those up and it'll help us just kind of navigate it together. No, but seriously, this is, uh, as we wrap up this series on grief, as been said over the last couple of weeks, the reason we've been talking about grief is because it's a topic that as an American culture, we try to avoid, and as churches, we don't talk about very often. And so we realize as we begin a new year, well, maybe we should talk about the thing that we all deal with, and yet we rarely talk about it. And we rarely know how to navigate it well. And so we kicked off this series with a simple definition. It's really the American Psychological Association. It's their definition. Grief is the anguish experienced from significant loss. Grief and loss go hand in hand. Loss creates the anguish that we all experience. And what we saw in week one was just simply to acknowledge our loss. That is a huge step forward. After all, in our culture, we tend to avoid it. We tend to ignore it. We tend to medicate it. We overeat, overdrink, overmedicate. Like we don't want to deal with it. We overwork, whatever it takes, because we just want to move on to something that feels more effective. And yet we saw in week one, Jesus wept publicly with others who were grieving publicly. He acknowledged the grief even though he knew he was about to solve the thing causing the grief. He still saw the value in simply acknowledging the real human experience of loss. And then last week, week two, we saw we don't want to minimize our loss. The truth is in our American culture, we go to work, you get three bereavement days, and it's forget about it, back to work, and let's move on, right? And what we saw was there's a better way. To not minimize my loss means that I'm not going to do the comparative suffering thing where I think, oh, I shouldn't grieve because my loss isn't as bad as your loss. Or I look at your loss and say, well, you shouldn't be grieving that because I've had worse than that. And we compare, and in the compare, everyone kind of loses. But what we saw last week was, well, if it matters to you, it matters. More importantly, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And if something matters to God, it should matter to all of us. So not to avoid it or uh, ignore it, but also not to minimize it. And so one truth that we've seen throughout this series is something Jesus said, and all of us can agree with this. Even if you don't follow Jesus, you can agree with this Jesus statement. In this world, you will have trouble. If you believe that, say, yep, say that with me. Yeah, you know, you've lived long enough. You know, in this world, you will have trouble. You don't have to point at anybody. Like, we just know we're going to have trouble. You live long enough, you experience loss. You experience difficulties. And the one thing we all want when we experience trouble, the one thing we all want when we experience loss is hope. It's the one thing we navigate and we cling for, and yet it's the one thing it seems most difficult to find. Because when you experience loss, you're like me. You begin to think things like, 
Will it ever be better again? Will I ever have what I once had? Will I ever have what I expected to have? Will life ever be like I hoped it would be? Will it ever be like it once was? And so here's the question we're going to kick off with today. Where do you find hope when all hope is lost? Or when it seems like all hope is lost? When life doesn't turn out the way you expected? When your dreams not only don't come true, they can't come true. And let's just be real practical Because we all experience loss individually, sometimes you even experience loss corporately. As a church, LifePoint, we've talked about that on Easter Sunday, we are going to combine at Rock Hill Campus. And what that means for a lot of us who've attended Plano for a long time is that feels like loss. Even though it's good, I feel that there is a fear I will lose friends. There is a fear of leaving a place where I've created and shared so many great memories throughout the years and there is a feeling of loss and I think Jesus invites us to acknowledge that. In the same way, some of you personally, you've experienced such difficult loss in your own life. Individually, you've experienced losses where maybe you had a first marriage that you thought and hoped would be successful and it wasn't where you had a childhood that you wished would have been better than it was and you're ashamed of it and you don't talk about it and you don't know how to even express it to other people. Maybe you thought your spouse would live longer than they did. You thought your health would be better than it is, that your finances would have more margin than it does or that some family relationships would turn out differently than they have. And if you're really honest, the truth is, as you think about what really hurts is when it gets to the place that it won't be better. It won't recover or that dream will never come true. That career will never happen like you hoped it it would. You'll never get into that dream college. Your health is only going to decline when you get to that place where that divorce is final or that loved one isn't coming back. And all of a sudden, you've not only lost, you've experienced loss, you feel like you've lost for good where do you find hope when it feels like all hope is lost when the problem can't be resolved and the pain isn't going away well today we're going to hear from someone who experienced extreme loss and found hope and so if you've got your bibles we're going to look together in second corinthians chapter four in a minute that'll come on the screen but we're going to hear from a man His name is the Apostle Paul. He's referred to as an apostle. And he was a person who knew great loss. In fact, he was so anti-Jesus in his life and so anti-Christianity that did you know that he spent many years trying to stamp out the church and end the Christian faith? It was his motive to murder Christians, have them arrested, and everyone in the faith feared this man terribly and then he met Jesus and he had a 180 and when he had a 180 he went all in he became such a great missionary some say he went from a Christian mercenary to a Christian missionary and become what some believe was the greatest church planner in the world's history in fact look at this map on this map you're going to give you it'll give you a little bit of context now over here further east there's another body of water this whole Mediterranean realm where Paul began over near Israel, and he came and planted churches all around there, and then all the way around this 
Mediterranean realm. And he went as far as Corinth. And he kept planting churches in all these cities because he wanted to share the gospel. In fact, some would say that humanly speaking, we are believers and followers of Jesus if you are because of the faith of this man who took the faith beyond the Jewish people to the Gentiles and he took it beyond Jerusalem and even Israel around the world. Some say he went as far as 12,000 miles over three different trips to plant churches in a time where travel was dangerous, expensive, and difficult. The Apostle Paul went from a Christian mercenary to I can't stop talking about this Jesus and planting these churches. He went so far to Corinth, just west of Athens, that he planted a church there about 1,300 miles from Israel. And there he loved these people. And while he was there, he actually wrote letters back to, in English we would say Thessalonica, Greek is Thessaloniki, and this is the two letters in your Bible, First and Second Thessalonians. He spent about 18 months in Corinth. This is as far as he went until he eventually went up to Rome where he was ultimately executed. But during this second and third missionary journey here in Corinth, spending 18 months in his second missionary journey, he loved these people, fell in love with them, even though while he was there, he was experiencing extreme persecution for his faith. He eventually left and came back a second, some even say a third time, because he loved these people. And what he did was, while he was away, he wrote them a letter, and then he wrote them another letter. We have two of those letters, some say they were even more, but we have First and Second Corinthians, and in this letter, as he wrote to these people who were so far from his home, he went so far to share the gospel. In these letters, what he is saying is, you will lose hope. You will have loss. But let me tell you where you can find hope again. And this is the letter that I want us to look at a portion of today from a man who knew persecution and loss and was able to find hope anyway, was able to hold on to hope during some of the darkest days. So if you're here and you've experienced significant loss or you're experiencing significant loss, Paul's words, I hope and pray, will be an encouragement to you today. So Paul says, in the middle of all the difficulty, in the middle of all the pain, all the suffering and loss, he begins by saying, in verse 16, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, he begins by saying, therefore, by the way, anytime you see the word therefore, you always want to know what's it there for. you got to go back, and we, if we have time, we'll go back and we'll see why he, he said something which leads to what he's about to say. It's kind of the connecting word. Okay, We'll go back if we have time to, to this beautiful transition. But what he gets to, and this is so important, is even in the middle of all the pain, he says, we do not lose heart. Or it's another way of saying, we do not lose hope. Now, you may think, well, that just sounds like a Christian pep talk. That sounds like just unrational optimism. Because you may be thinking, my loved one's not coming back. My pain isn't going away. If anything, it feels like with my health and some of the family relationships in my life or some of the things that are happening in my life, things are only getting worse. So to say don't lose hope or don't lose heart isn't terribly helpful. And Paul would say, I get it. In fact, look at the rest of the verse. He says, we do not lose heart. And then he says, though outwardly, we are wasting away. In other words, yes, it does feel like your life is getting worse. Yes, it does feel like your health might be declining and some things are difficult. He says, yes, we are, if we're honest, wasting away. So 
So I hope to see you next Sunday. God bless you and have a great week. Bad place to end the message, right? Not very encouraging. But then he says, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Paul says, this is so important, that we can be experiencing loss and feel like we're wasting away, and we can be renewed at the same time. In other words, there's this outward reality that, yes, I'm experiencing loss. I can see it. Other people can see it. And it feels like this is wasting away and everyone else would look at it and agree. It's true and we must acknowledge it just like Paul just did. And yet, he says, there's the reality that in the midst of grief and loss, inwardly we can still be renewed. Paul makes this point. It's possible to experience an outward loss and inward gain simultaneously. Now, let's be honest, when you experience loss, you're like me, when I experience loss, I am not thinking, oh, I'm being renewed because I may not have expected to experience the loss or I may not have expected it to be this difficult or I may not have chosen it or I may be uh, in the place where I just don't like it. Who wants to experience loss after all? We don't celebrate loss. We, want, we start thinking things like, no, I want my health back. I want my loved one back. I want the relationships back. When I experience loss, I want to gain what I lost. Because sometimes we think, and this is the danger, that removing the loss or regaining what we lost is the only way to hope. And this is the thing that Paul is challenging. I don't know if you ever realize it is an assumption that we have that removing the loss is the only way to hope. And Paul is saying, no, 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 there's another way. Because Jesus already said in this world you will have trouble. So that means we cannot avoid loss. If we're going to hold on to hope, there must be another way. And that's what Paul's going to introduce. But he's not done. He pushes it a little bit further, makes us feel a little more uncomfortable. Look at verse 17. Paul goes on to say, for our light and momentary troubles. And I don't know about you, but I am never using that term. I don't describe my troubles as light and momentary. They don't feel easy. They don't feel uh, you know, insignificant. No, we, we would choose very different words to describe our loss, wouldn't we? After all, our loss is significant. Our loss is huge. It feels like a really big deal. But Paul is sharing and introducing something that is so significant in this moment. He goes on to say, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's, it's sort of like if there were a scale what Paul is suggesting is, on one side of the scale, we would put our trouble, our loss, our pain. And let's be honest, it is heavy. It feels really heavy, doesn't it? And Paul says, if there were a scale on the other side, we would put the, the weight of our eternal faith, of our eternal relationship with God. And he says, when you put them both on the scale at the same time, there is no comparison to the weight of our eternity, to the weight of our eternal relationship with God. It far outweighs whatever weight we will experience in this temporary life. To kind of push the visual a little further, I'll illustrate it another way. I have this rope here, and what if this rope were to represent our life? And in this rope, we look at this rope and we go, well, that's a pretty long rope, and, and you can't see it all. 
um, except that you can tell it's long. I'll kick it and see if anything good happens. Eh, that's good enough. Uh, we'll call that heaven down there. So you got this rope, and, and this red part of the rope, the end part of the rope would represent our time on earth with our broken loss, grief, and pain. And when you're in the middle of your life, experience the brokenness and the loss and the pain, it is all you can see, and it is overwhelming, isn't it? And everyone else can see it, and they don't know what to say. You can see it, and you don't know what to do. It is overwhelming. It is real. But Paul suggests that your life is eternal. And because your life is eternal, your life is represented by the length of this rope. It just continues on and on and on. And he's not suggesting that we dismiss this light and momentary trouble. It is trouble. It is painful. It is loss. But what he is suggesting is there is a bigger lens through which to see your life. There is more to this life than just this life. And Paul is saying when we experience the loss, we must step back and once again see the greater lens through which you and I will exist many, many years beyond the here and now. Well, how do we do that? Well, he goes on in the next verse, verse 18, he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the life that you and I live right here and right now, but on what is unseen, the rest of all of eternity. Since what is seen is temporary, this is the part of me that only is designed to last a few years. The eternal part of me, my soul, the part of me that's being shaped in suffering will be the part of me that will live on forever. And he says, it is what is unseen that is eternal and goes on and on. And if we fix our eyes on the red part, the here and now, if you're like me, I will become hopeless because I'm not getting back what I've lost and what I want. But when you focus on eternity, eternity with Jesus, it can shift our feelings and we can find our hope. And it's all about our focus. It turns out our focus will direct our feelings. Our focus will allow us to have hope again. Paul says, don't lose sight of the Savior who has redeemed you, who loves you, and who empathizes with your loss and knows suffering. Think about that. Jesus, the one who we will live with for all of eternity, was described by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53 this way. He, Jesus, was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Now we know Jesus died on the cross and we think of that kind of pain that you and I don't plan to experience and yet we lose sight of the fact that he also was someone who was despised, he was rejected, he suffered, and he was familiar with pain. 
you and I follow someone who knows suffering. It is the great paradox of Jesus to be both a suffering servant and a conquering king. And one of the ways we have been designed to grow, we don't like this, I don't like this, but one of the ways we have been designed to grow is through suffering, through loss. We may never be more like Jesus than when we are suffering, when we are hurting, when we are experiencing pain. And he promises to move in more intimately in that season. And I just wonder if in the loss, part of what we do is to acknowledge it. And then we look to our God who wants to shape us on this side of heaven and say, God, is there an invitation you are giving me in this difficult season? And just do work with him. Have a conversation with him. Jesus said this. Oh, this is so important. I have told you these things so that you may have, say that word with me, peace. Now, I don't know about you, when I'm experiencing loss, that's not exactly the word I would use. Because then he goes on to say, you won't have peace because life is easy or that's pain-free. He says, no, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. In other words, here it is again, similar to what Paul had said, don't lose hope. Take heart. Why? He says, because I have overcome the world. I gotta read it. I'm gonna just take a minute. You remember when we started off this little passage from Paul and he said, therefore, based on what I just said, don't lose heart. And Jesus says, therefore, take heart. I have overcome the world. What are they talking about? Well, this is what Paul wanted us to know. And before he said, take heart, look what he, he said, if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay, I'm just gonna read it. It's, it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter four, I wanna read this. He's, he talks about, uh, Paul explains what he said before the therefore. <clears throat> In verse eight, he says, remember, Paul didn't have an easy life. When he became obedient to Jesus, his life didn't get easier. In many ways, it got harder. When he became obedient to Jesus, it's when he experienced the suffering and the opposition. And he says, we are hard pressed on every side, Paul says, and yet we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry around our body, the death of Jesus. And he says, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And then he goes on to say, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. In other words, I know this life is temporary, but I look ahead to the eternity because Jesus not only conquered death, he overcame this life, and I am promised eternal life with him. And he goes, and all this is for your benefit, Paul said, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, people are being changed by this message it may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I know you're suffering, therefore we do not lose heart because Jesus conquered death. Once and for all, we are promised eternity with him. And then Jesus comes along and he says, oh, by the way, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What I am doing in you, this world can't touch and it will be for eternal benefit. And all of a sudden, Paul says, it is possible to have peace and pain at the same time. 
It is possible to have loss and hope at the same time. That Jesus was a suffering servant and a conquering king. And you may be here and you may think, well, that's good for the Jesus people. But what about everybody else? If I'm not a Jesus follower, what do I do to focus on, who do I focus on other than Jesus? And if I can be super frank, I would tell you, I don't know of any other hope in this world but Jesus. I don't know of any other hope beyond this world than Jesus. Because if this world is all there is, then this would be hopeless when we experience loss that we can't gain back again. I've had the experience of preaching many funerals, both of those who follow Jesus and those who don't. And I have noticed over and over again, there are those who follow Jesus and their family members will express sorrow and hold on to hope. And I've been at many funerals of those who didn't follow Jesus who would express sorrow without hope. And there is nothing that breaks my heart more than a hopeless funeral. And many times, as believers, in the middle of loss, we can lose hope because we lose sight of eternity. And maybe you're here and you go, I just have a hard time with the supernatural side of things. And believing in this whole Jesus rose from the dead, I've never seen anybody raised from the dead, that just feels too miraculous for me to buy into. Well, then you would have a whole lot in common with Paul. Because Paul didn't buy it. Think about it, Paul was the one who knew that Jesus had been crucified and knew that his followers claimed that he had risen from the dead and he was convinced that hadn't actually happened. So much so that he went around the Mediterranean uh, up until that point stamping out any Christians he could find anywhere, murdering, arresting and on one of those trips where he had planned to do that again because he didn't believe in the supernatural, he was very rational. He had a personal encounter with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And in an instant, in a moment, he was transformed to become a passionate follower of Jesus for the rest of his life here on earth. And maybe for some of us, that's just the experience we haven't had yet an encounter with this risen Jesus. And I would just invite you to look at him, to research him, and to learn about this Jesus who loves you, who I believe created you, and I believe has purpose for you on this earth, and that purpose will last for eternity. Now, lest we as Christians be tempted to think, well, if I begin to serve God, then my life will be more trouble-free. Think about Paul. When he began to serve God, his life wasn't trouble-free. If anything, it got more difficult. And let's be honest, sometimes we think, because I've given my life to Christ, because I am following him, because I'm serving, because I'm tithing, because I'm going to church, because I'm in a group, I sometimes think I didn't expect this to happen this loss to happen, this difficulty to happen. Sometimes I'm surprised because I think, no, no, God, I'm on your team. Why is this happening to me? And then we see Paul's life and realize, no, obedience often leads to suffering, often leads to persecution or opposition. 
It is part of the obedience to Christ that we can endure loss because we cling to hope. We do not lose hope. But it isn't about the removal of the pain, but it's about having a greater lens again on eternity. Paul, every time he was persecuted, he would believe that Jesus was with him and that in light of eternity, his troubles were light and momentary. Pain and peace, loss and hope. Recently, I'd posted something on social media about loss, and a friend of mine that I got to serve with at a church for many, many years had lost her husband, and she messaged me and shared the story. Her husband, we had moved away, and, and her husband, who I knew well, had passed away, and she shares the story of those last few months of his life and how I believe she held on to grief and loss and hope. And I just want to read that. Joyce, she said, I lost the love of my life when George passed away. But cancer was perhaps the greatest gift God gave us. I remember feeling so close to the Lord during those seven months. Scared to death? Yes. But every morning while George was asleep, before he would wake up, I would sing the song, Blessed Be Your Name, and the fear would go away. Then George would wake up, and we'd go about the business of living that day. We could actually feel the prayer of family and friends. And George would often say, we're okay because of him, as he pointed upwards. She said, we became so much closer to each other and closer to God during those seven months. And when the final day came and George passed, Joyce went on to describe a mysterious and inexplicable awareness of God's presence in the room. And she said, almost from a distance, I heard the nurse say, time of death, 7.05. She said, but I felt such a peace. I had been there when George stepped over or when God came and got him, whatever it was, it gave me great comfort. I was never as close to the Lord as I was then. I never asked why. I just knew things were as they should be. Do I miss him? Horribly. But I know where he is and that I'll be with him again one day. Loss. And hope. Back to our original question. Where do you find hope when all hope is lost? And I think Paul reveals to us what Jesus had claimed to us and what Joyce just shared with us. Hope isn't found in the absence of pain. It is found in the presence of Jesus. A savior who understands sorrow, who gives hope that transcends our circumstances. And this is the way of living we have been invited into. And we will never figure it out one day and it never be a struggle again. It will always be a struggle, won't it? But the reality is I will be tempted in my lifetime to find hope by removing the pain the loss, the suffering. But that isn't where hope is found. 
It is found in the presence of Jesus who will be my guide through all of eternity. I believe not only is hope found in the presence of Jesus, I believe when we are suffering, we need each other. We aren't designed to do this alone. That's why Paul kept trying to form these churches and these often were house churches where they would share bread and and, and meals together because he realized how difficult life would be. Sometimes I need encouragement, but sometimes I need to encourage you. This is how we navigate. We keep helping each other fix our eyes on Jesus. And it's why we're having groups launch again today at the end of the service if you're interested. We'd love to invite you to take that next step. And I want to invite my friend Michael Pichar up today. Would you welcome Michael up today? Michael... I'm going to move your rope. Thank you. Thank you. So you just moved all of eternity. Well done. That was impressive. <laughs> so, Michael, you, you've been in a group. I know you're a fan of groups, but it hasn't always been that way. What was your first impression of small groups? It's funny you should ask that. So we moved to the area about 11 years ago, Dan and I, and uh, when we were shopping for churches, uh, we checked out LifePoint. It was the closest church to us. And the first two services we came to were small groups and giving. So it was uh, pretty miraculous that we kept coming back. Yeah, but, that's, uh, right. Uh, that's right. But yeah, it was um, coming to the area from Southern California, the, the idea of a small group was always a little bit weird. I mean, we both yeah. grew up in the church and Sunday schools and youth groups, but, mm-hmm. but the small group thing just seemed very, very Texas. Very Texas. I love it. A lot of food, a lot of Y'all, whatever. Being too friendly. Yeah, d- yeah. D- very yeah, friendly. Yeah, yeah. So what changed your impression? Obviously, you got in a group. Yeah, so about five and a half years ago, uh, on a Sunday, uh, much like today, uh, launching small groups, we were over in uh, LPK, the kids, and a friend of ours said, hey, why don't you go check out this table? This is the group uh, that, that I'm a part of. And, and really, that, that personal invitation really uh, changed the trajectory uh, mm. of, of where we are to the point where after covid you know, community was such an important part of, of our life that uh, I decided to help launch a men's group that That's meets awesome. uh, once a month over at yeah. Tender's Barbecue, first Thursday of the month. And then uh, just in the fall, uh, the opportunity again to, to launch small groups again and to, uh, to, to, to help lead with new and old friends alike. But it's not easy for you. Like, even to get to group, there are challenges. What about for you? What are some of the personal challenges? Yeah, the, the, the stage of life that we're in, uh, if you don't know, I have twin, uh, we have twin 12-year-old, uh, 12-year-old boys. So uh, the scheduling, uh, their schedule, the school schedules, my work travel schedule, yeah. I travel a lot. And even just between the two of us being on the same page, uh, yeah. schedule-wise, priority-wise. Yeah, no, that's a challenge. So what, what helped you overcome it, or maybe why did you overcome it? to go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah, the, 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 again, I, I keep coming back to that concept of community and, and just how important that is in our life uh, to yeah. have uh, the friendships that have you know, outlasted even groups that we've had before. Uh, the camaraderie that comes yeah. with gathering and, and, and laughing and eating together. Uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, this December, we had a, a, our little Christmas party. It was a white elephant uh, Christmas party where we gave everybody little gifts. And, and one of the gifts that was given was those, uh, it was a spa- sparkly license plate frame, right? And uh, it was pretty I could funny. I see that. That's appropriate. Yeah, and, and, and of course, yeah. nobody, nobody really wanted it. Sorry, Joanna. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I really saw the group come together because we all kind of came together and we decided, you know what to do? The best thing to do with this sparkly license plate frame is to put it on Mark's truck. Yeah. yeah. And, and we really grew as a group that day. Yeah, you did. 
And I didn't know about this until quite a bit later. And had someone not told me, I still wouldn't know about this. Uh, for whatever it's worth, by the way, when I came from Texas, was California, came back to Texas, and the, Texas decided to give me my license plate is pink. And then they put the glitz around my plate. So my truck's pretty easy. Thank you. By the way, some are from my group today. It is about to be on. And our group will get revenge. So you should know that. All right, so what encouragement would you give for people who are out here who maybe are on the fence when it comes to groups? Really, just go. Uh, it's as yeah. simple as that. I, I think the question that we rush, wrestle with is the should we do this? Should we join yeah. a group? Yeah. Should I go to the gym? And, and the problem with the, the, the word should is should doesn't build community. It builds calendars. Mm. And really just that momentum to just do it is, yeah. is really what's most important. But I think the second facet to that, and, and what was important to my story, is that personal invitation. So, you know, my challenge is, if you are in a group, if you're starting a group right now, go out and talk to someone. Go out and invite someone. That personal invitation from you is going to carry so much more weight than even you and me yeah. up here talking yeah. about. Yeah, no, and that's your experience. That's your own story. Last but not least, last week, a lot of us suffered with a cowboy loss, and you were at the scene of the crime. AT&T Stadium. Do you have any words of encouragement for us today? <laughs> uh, funny enough, uh, as a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, mm. uh, I think the, the secret to joy in my life has been the lowering of expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank Michael for coming up today. That is, that may have been the most wise thing that's been said today. Well, listen, for Michael and Dana, they've been in a small group for a while, and I, one of the things that, that I know that I've experienced is being in a group just helps me fix my eyes on Jesus. It helps adjust my focus. It's not just about me. When I need encouragement, I can receive it. I get to give encouragement, but we're all on this journey together. And so for many of you, your best next step might be to get in a group today. And so we're going to have some groups out in the lobby. In the fall, we have the big launch, but even in the spring here, we wanted to offer I guess it's the winter here, isn't it? In the winter, we still wanted to offer an opportunity for you to take that step. We didn't want it to drop off of your radar. So right afterwards, you can do that. You can obviously go to our, um, our uh, app as well, and, and you can sign up. Lastly, I just want to say hope isn't found in the absence of pain. It is found in the presence of Jesus. And as we think about the inevitable loss that all of us will go through, I just want to ask you, where is your focus today? What are you focusing on in this season? Is it trying to get rid of the loss? Is it being overwhelmed by the loss? Or is it spending time with Jesus and the promise of eternity? And, and the real practical question I want to ask you to prayerfully consider is, how are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? This week, what will you do? How will you Move your posture of your heart and your mind to fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe for you it means I've got to unplug from some things that have gotten too noisy in my life, from some things that glow and I hold in my hand. Whatever it is, you may need to unplug from some things. You may want to spend more time in, with God in prayer or through his word or walking and being outside or in a spiritual conversation or joining a small group, serving someone else. What will be the thing that helps you this week Fix your eyes on Jesus and find that hope that we all want. As we wrap up this series, I just want you to know if you are not a follower of Jesus, I would love to invite you. Like, why not? What is keeping you from taking that step? And maybe you would want to stop by. We'll have prayer afterwards behind uh, this black curtain here. Or I'll be out in the lobby. I'd love to talk with you. If, if you're interested, we'd love to help you take that next step when you're ready.
And then finally, as we wrap this series up, I just want to say when it comes to grief, the thing we don't talk about often, but we wanted to spend some time to start the year off, I believe there are three don'ts that you want to remember when it comes to grief. Don't ignore it, don't minimize it, and don't lose hope. Don't ignore it, don't minimize it, and don't lose hope. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have given us a greater purpose than just this life. There is something so much bigger than the brokenness, than the sickness, than the politics, than the loss. There is so much more we have been created for. God, thank you for making a way for all of eternity for us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us Help everyone in this room, everybody who's online. God, would you help us to focus on you and to see through a larger lens, the lens of eternity. God, help us find hope in Jesus again, the one who never leaves us and never forsakes us. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.